Can you imagine what it would be like to live at the time of the writing of the book of Revelation? And today especially, this has great meaning as we look at the church at Smyrna. They were a special church. They were as special as we are special. You know, we talk about MCC a lot. At least I think we do. And we kind of pat ourselves on the back for what God has done in our lives. But our boast is in him. And we know that many of you have gone through and are going through some hard times. But we need to know also that all of that is worth holding on, enduring, waiting for the time when we stand before him and we would cast our crowns before him because he is worthy. He is worthy then. He is worthy right now. He is so worthy that without him in your life, can you imagine what you would be and where you would be and what you would be without Jesus, without the worthy lamb? Think about that. Where would you be if you didn't have Jesus? And I believe that that's really what this whole book of Revelation is, is to reveal and just pull the curtains back and let us catch a glimpse and an idea of what our future is about, our eternal future is all about. And this song and these songs we've sung this morning, speaking of who he is, not what we get from it, but just identifying with he is worthy. He was given to us as the Lamb of God. He was given to us as the older brother. He was given to us as one who was raised from the dead and lives forevermore. He opened the way for us, as we talked about last week. The begotten Son, the only begotten Son of the Father, because he broke through the shroud and the darkness that covers this world. And we have been set free, not so that we can just all of a sudden we can be lifted off. That'll come someday. We'll all be lifted up into his presence if we know and have put our trust in the only begotten son of the heavenly father. That's our hope. That's our goal. That is our life. And we're going to talk about that this morning. The revelation of Jesus Christ to the messenger, to the pastor, to the elder, to the leaders of the church in Smyrna. Smyrna was, in some ways, just not quite as advantaged as Ephesus was that we studied about last week. Smyrna was also a coastal town. They had a harbor, and it was a, a Roman colony. A lot of goods coming through this port. And so the people of Smyrna 
were blessed. And it sounds like in reading about the history of that city, they really didn't need anything else. And there was a church there. Now, maybe not in the same context of what we have here, but if you would imagine this section right here, you're a church. And this section here, another church gathering together. And another church gathering together. And another. That's the way it was in those days. And in fact, the Christians of Smyrna were not as blessed as the people who were their neighbors, who were wealthy and who really benefited from the wealth that was coming through the city. The church of Smyrna was suffering. It was a church of the persecuted. You know, today even, we have a lot of churches like that. And we are blessed here in Tokyo. And you might think, well, we're not really blessed. Oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. And if you can imagine that we get so much encouragement from all being together here in one place. But when we go out during the week, we feel very much alone. How many can relate to that in your Christian life here in busy Tokyo? You feel pretty much alone. And even some of you who are on Christian campuses, you've shared how lonely you feel in that context. That's Smyrna. And this church was one of the churches that got no real negative words to them spoken by the one who was their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are the words that Jesus spoke to them. Kent had already talked about this. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. We're going to be reading this seven times in these next weeks. Till you get it down in your heart and understand that the book of Revelation is not this mysterious and way out book. I trust that from our messages and our time together in Revelation that we will treasure, treasure this book just like we did the book of Hebrews and that this will be something that will keep us focused on what it's all about, the Christian life is all about. You're blessed who read this, who hear it, and heed the things written in it. We need all three of those in our lives to really receive it to our hearts. This is for us to consider. Let's listen. Let's watch. Let's read. Revelation 2 8 to 11. And to the angel, to the pastor of the church in Smyrna, write, the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life, says this, I know your tribulation, I know your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy of those who say, they are Jews and are not, 
but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He or she who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He or she who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Father, we thank you for these words, and we do take comfort and now open up our hearts and allow us to understand what your word is saying to us. And for those of us who can identify with the things that we are suffering, I don't think it is as bad as what the believers, our brothers and sisters, suffered in Smyrna. But it feels that way. And we want to apply these truths to our lives. Because no doubt, no doubt, this will be in our future. As Jesus promised, in this world you will have tribulation. But fear not, I have overcome the world. Thank you for these words. Thank you for this confidence that we have. Thank you for this church of Smyrna. In Jesus' name, amen. Our outline is very simple. The writer of, well, the author of Revelation, John was the writer. Jesus was the speaker. Said to and from, I know, and to him who overcomes. And this will be our outline for the next six churches, and we'll keep it simple. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, we already talked about this last week of who the angel is. It's not a heavenly angel, although the task of the angels were to be what? Actually, angel means messenger. And they were the ones that had the privilege on Christmas morning to announce the birth of the king. They were real angels. They were heavenly angels. They were heavenly messengers. And so these angels that we're talking about in Revelation are those leaders that God has given and gifted to be preaching God's word, to bringing the message of salvation and understanding how to walk as Christians in an ungodly world. They were messengers an envoy. And we also mentioned that when the last prophet of Israel, not counting, of course, John the Baptist, but the last of the prophecies was Malachi, the last book of the Bible. And his name means messenger. And he said he gave the message to Israel. I am not pleased with you. He spoke it very clearly to the people of Israel. I am not pleased with you. Who was the I? It was God himself. 
was not pleased with his people because of the fact that they were not really worshiping the living God. They were looking out for themselves. They were really a false religion. I'm not pleased with you. Oh, that there was one among you who would shut the gates or the doors that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. That was the last prophecy that was given in the Old Testament. And for 400 years then, there was no message from God. None. I am not pleased with you. And then along comes John the Baptist. A miraculous birth, a relative of Jesus Christ. And he comes and declares, repent, repent, repent. The day of the Lord has come. And the people who should have known better had stone ears. They couldn't hear. And they came to him, are you Elijah? No, I'm John. Well, you must be some prophet. But they did not receive his word because he was too weird. Anyway, he didn't have clothes like we had. He was camel hair, and he lived in the desert. Of course, he took a bath quite often by the fact that he was a Baptist, and he was baptizing people. (laughs) But the point is, he was a prophet, and he stood between those 400 years and began to pronounce the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And during that 400 years of silence, the church or the people of God called out to be the people of God were dead. The religion was just works and that's all it was. And there were very, very few who knew what this was all about. You think we're very few Christians here in Japan? We are, but they were worse off than we are. And so John coming on the scene pronounces the kingdom of God is at hand. Interestingly enough, John the Baptist started this whole revolution and guess who finished it off? Was another John. Isn't that incredible? A John here and a John here. I didn't even look into what does John mean? What does that name mean? I guess it's not significant because I don't think it's told us who he is, but he is a prophet. And he speaks to us today. Both these Johns. He said, I'm not pleased with you. Then John the Baptist announcing, proclaiming that the Son of God is already among you. And he looked up as he was baptizing and he saw Jesus. Behold 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He announced that. John the Baptist did. The kingdom of God has come. And John was the forerunner, the one that was to introduce Jesus. And what happened? When Jesus asked John to baptize him, and Jesus came up out of the water, and a dove came down, and heaven opened, and the voice of God speaking, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I'm not pleased with you. And now 400 years later, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Wow, what a message. That must have just struck them. And in fact, those in dead religion, the Jewish religion, came to John the Baptist and said, are you the Messiah? Are you the sent one? Are you the one? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. And here Jesus was, coming to a dead, dead church in a world without the gospel, a world that was lost as lost could be those 400 years. Now, there were some believers, but they weren't the ones that were the like, like what we are. I don't know what it was like for those believers that went through those 400 years Believing and believing, becoming fewer and fewer. Can you imagine what it would be like? Are there no true believers? That's the context of Jesus coming on the scene. And he pleased the Father. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, from who was this coming? the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life, says this. It's written in Isaiah 44, 6 and 7. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and Israel's Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God besides me who is like me. And that's what the Lord says to the church of Smyrna. I am the first and the last. And then he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. What do you suppose he's talking about in, in declaring that they are rich? What are they rich in? What do you think this church who was suffering persecution and tribulation, what were they rich in? They were rich in faith because they knew who Jesus Christ was. They knew who was speaking to them. The first and the last. He was dead and now he is alive. They are rich, this church. That's where their confidence was. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. 
Anybody know what the definition of blasphemy is? What it means is to curse God or to say things that are against the character and person of God. It means it's taken from the word blame. You are a sinner. You are not good. And they're not talking to the devil. They're talking against God. And that is blasphemy, to speak against a higher being. They say that they're Jews, which means that they came from Abraham, apparently. But according to this, they are not. But they're of the synagogue of Satan. And a synagogue was a teaching place. It's where the elders and the people sat, particularly the men, sat together and they talked about religion. They should have been talking about the law and the prophets. But they were talking about religious rights and and all. And they became deader and deader and deader and deader in their false religion. So that Jesus says here in this, You are a synagogue of Satan, calling it out exactly the way it is. Why? Because he's God, and he can say that in their blasphemy, speaking against what God is saying about his people. But Jesus says to the believers of Smyrna and to the pastor, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Well, 10 days, I guess I could, uh, I could endure that. Oh, don't be so sure of that. Kent and Katie and I were talking about this uh, the other evening. What does that mean? You will have tribulation for 10 days. Well, I can gum on for 10 days. You know, 10 days is a long time. What does it mean? You will suffer enough. I know your suffering is enough. Why could Jesus say that? Because it was enough. It was enough to pay for every man, woman, and child ever born. It was jubun. It was enough to cover your sins, my sins, and those who follow us, and those who went before us. That's what the gospel is all about. Jesus is saying, your tribulation is enough. And if you're suffering right now, and you feel like you're going through a real hard time right now, Jesus knows what it is because he suffered enough for us. And he is enough. We can go on and fill up the rest of what is called for us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are you listening? Do you have ears? 
How many can hear? Yeah. Let's hear in our hearts. Not just our physical ears, but get it down into your heart. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This message today is for MCC. This is a message for us. He knows your tribulation. He knows your trouble. He knows that you are rich. Do you realize that? He's trusting you with suffering. He's trusting you to put your trust in him for your situation that isn't pleasant for you as a Christian in your workplace or at school, wherever it might be. But it's enough. And he'll give you enough to get through each day with joy and understanding that he has gone before you and he's paid the ultimate. It's enough. And so, be faithful unto death. I don't think that means gaman. Faithful is very different than gaman. Gaman suru is human effort. Right? Is that what it means? At least that's what I learned in language school. That was one of the first words I heard my teacher say, gaman shite. I heard it so many times. She was saying it to me. Katie and I studied together in language school. She got it just like that without gamaning. I was doing all the gamaning. Gamaning is uh, English, is Japanese. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life. What was the one thing that we as human beings lost in our sin? What did we lose? Eternal life was taken from us as Adam and Eve sinned. And they deserved death. And they began to die from that day forward. And they passed on to their children and their children to their children and their children to their children to here we are. We inherited death. But Jesus says to the church that suffering is persecuted, I'll give you a crown of life. Be faithful unto death. What kind of death? Any of you know this verse in John 3.16? Can somebody stand up and quote that for me? Let's all do it. Let's all do it together. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It was given to us. Why? Because we trusted in Jesus and he was enough for us to go through 
10 days of suffering because he is our savior. He's the one who died for us and he made this for us. And he made us to be eternal beings. We will live and are living eternal life today. That is our calling to walk in that eternal life that he has given us. And he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. We are not going to be dead beings. When we die, our spirits are with the Lord. We are eternal beings right now. For those who haven't received Jesus Christ and made him Savior, they are not alive yet. And so when you look at your coworker who is the greatest person that they really have helped you in the office and wherever. They're good people. But that's not going to be good enough if they don't know Jesus, if they haven't received him. They will be dead. And they won't have eternal life. That's why Smyrna was a great church, faithful unto death, overcomers, and that's what God calls us to be. Father, we thank you for your sending of your son Jesus to us. And in this last book of the Bible, the encouragement that comes to us as we read it, as we hear it, as we heed it, we thank you for it. We bless your name and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.